Hi everyone and welcome back to Public Eye, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. Once again, I'm delighted to be your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I will continue speaking with fabulous local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and crucially, find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all the new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Jim Finnegan, founder of Pocketbox. More on Pocketbox in just a second, but Jim, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Delighted to be here, Sarah. Thanks very much. So, as always, we give a little tiny uh, pocket box of background to you and your business before we begin the interview but pocket box is not Jim's first successful business he has a track record as a serial entrepreneur especially in tech his first venture JMC mobile which was the second largest O2 direct partner in Northern Ireland with offices in Newry Belfast and Leeds was acquired by O2 Telefonica in 2014 for a seven figure sum Jim is an early stage investor in a number of other companies. Can't wait to hear more about that. And his most recent business is, of course, Pocketbox, which was launched earlier this year. It's an online digital platform that helps vehicle owners manage all of their motoring paperwork and policies. Pocketbox smart technology makes vehicle ownership easier and safer. And as with every app that I hear about, but especially this one, I think, why did I not think of that? Because there is nothing <laughs> worse than looking for your insurance documents, your driver's license, where's the MOT piece of paper, and and you've got it all covered. Yeah, well, I'd like to think so. <laughs> We're trying our best anyway. So let's before we, we talk about the businesses, let's find out a little bit more about you, Jim. Tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, where'd you grow up, etc. Okay, well, uh, I'm a Newry man, um, born uh, and raised in Newry in Greyfield Park. Uh, I went to the Abbey Primary School and then I went to the Abbey Grammar School after that. Uh, I'm married to a Newry woman, uh, Tara, for 13 years. Mm-hmm. Better get that right or we <laughs> when I go home. <laughs> uh, we have three children. I have a stepdaughter, Jenny, she's 26. And then we have two young children, Sophie Jane at six and Jamie, he's four. Oh, goodness, yeah, so you're so busy. Yeah, well, they keep us brave and fit anyway, you know, run about after them. So They keep you young, yeah. I'm sure. Now, where did the entrepreneurial spirit come from? Uh, I suppose from an early age, I was always interested in making money you know uh, from when I was young I was selling sticks around the doors I was washing cars I was doing all sorts of different things uh, uh, we'd have stalled them at a stall in the market uh, when I was 16 wow the be- biggest seller was women's slippers bought them at 25p and sold them for 199 you so know, you were so a bit of a Dell boy yeah I suppose uh, down was in the all Ireland 1981 and uh, I was selling we 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 Selling hats, scarves, and headbands. We were actually buying the wool and making the headbands our, ourselves. And I had about eight people, eight of my friends, all working selling for me down the town. I was working in a shop called Trueform at the time. Oh yeah. And uh, I couldn't get the day off, the Saturday off. But <laughs> eight of the fellas were down the street selling the hats, flags, and headbands. And I, ma- I ended up I made a hundred and sixty pound profit that day. But I, I wasn't able to. 
do any of the selling myself because I was working in true form, couldn't get the day off. I made a 10 or 12 pound or something for working all day in true form and I'd made 160 pound on the street with the boys selling for but me. But you, you know? knew you were onto something there. Yeah, well, once uh, I realised, you know, that uh, it, that more or less taught me that there was easier ways of making money than to be working in a job, you know, so... Uh, after that, that really got me going and that got me thinking about different ways of how to, I could make money. So how long did you stay at True Form after that? I think it was, <laughs> I might have been sacked a few weeks later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I'm only joking, but it, and, uh, I didn't stay that long after that, I suppose. And uh, Yeah, but uh, from an early age, I was always interested and uh, just uh, enjoyed the sale, you know, I enjoyed the, the chase, I suppose. But where did it come from? Was it in the, the jeans? Yeah, just probably something that I was just always just used to, you know. And what about school and things like that? Were you interested in school? Yeah, I suppose when I was in the primary school, I was really interested in school. When I went into the, the Abbey Grammar School, it was a total culture change for me, you know. I, was, uh, I wasn't used to changing all classes and I was separated a lot from uh, different friends that were in my class and stuff like that, you know. So, uh, but uh, I suppose uh, even at school, I would have been selling things as well, you know. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, I enjoyed school. I enjoyed my time at the Abbey Grammar School. It was great teachers and a great bunch of lads that I went to school with. So I was happy there. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. Okay, so you realised you you could make money and you could get other people to sell the things for you as well, which yeah. is great too. So you're sort of sitting back, so stroking the cat, so to speak. And But where did you take it next? Where did you think, okay, uh, move on from the headscarves to what? Yeah, well, it was in 1999, we, I ended up, I was working for a mobile phone company and I ended up, uh, I realised that I could do this myself and uh, the guys that I worked for were good good guys, you know, and, uh, but it ended up, I left and, and I started my own business, uh, JMC Mobile. Mm -hmm. We painted our own sign, we'd done everything. I think it was, I started that business with about £147. <sighs> I was lucky enough, my granny and my, my, my daddy, they gave me a few pounds and they, they were able to loan me some money and got me going right up until the day before we had the shop already and right up until the day before we were due to open it's a funny story like I hadn't even got a supplier nobody would supply me because they didn't trust because I hadn't that track record or anything mm -hmm. yeah so it was lucky enough there was a company in Belfast at the time they ended up they backed me and yeah, the, the day before the, the phones arrived and that was us, we were up and running then. You Seriously. Know. So yeah, so um, uh, tell me how that worked, because I find this difficult to understand. So you knew that phones were big and everybody was going to have a phone, but what kind of phones are we talking about here and how did it work? It, well, I suppose it would have been, they, well, they would have been all contract phones and pay-as-you-talk stuff, but uh, they, uh, I suppose at the start it was like uh, 
people were probably saying, who is this young fella, you know? Mm. They, we just, you know, he's no track record, you know, because you're saying it to somebody up, you're taking their IDs, you're signing them up into a contract, you're giving them stuff out on credit, you know, uh, uh, so, so, so they just didn't trust us, you know. So, But we're lucky enough, as I said before, that company, Netcom, you call them, they actually took a chance on me. And then there was another gay in England as well, uh, a gay called Brian Gundry, and he took a chance on me as well, and it ended up then, it just went from strength to strength after that. This is what I hear more and more. There be lots of guests have sat opposite yeah. me in here, and it's always been that, you know, keep flogging, keep going, keep trying, and eventually someone yeah. gives you a break. Yeah, well, I suppose if you knock enough doors and you try, you know, just don't give up and have a bit of self-belief that you'll do it, you eventually something will work out well for you. And, of course, those guys benefit too, then, from yeah. your success. Yeah, well, the, the suppose JMC, we we ended up... Uh, we, we left the, the retail and then we went into B2B phones and uh, we, we had a full tele-sales operation selling it throughout the whole of the UK and Ireland. And uh, we... Uh, it ended up, we, we just built it up into a great company and eventually then O2 came and they said, look, we want to buy you out and the deal was done within a couple of months and I was gone. Now, did you always have your eyes on the prize? Is that the way you start? Is that the way, especially in tech like this, did you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to get out at some point, I'm going to sell? Yeah, had I your eyes you're on O2 or whoever? Yeah, I suppose it, uh, I was always interested in selling the business. It got to the stage then, I, I sort of got bored, margins were being cut, it was all different things like that, so I just decided, I think it was time to, to move on to something else, so I just fancied a change, you know, and I just, uh, then they, they made me an offer and I took it, you know. You couldn't refuse a seven-figure yeah. sum, yeah. how life-changing was that? Yeah, it was, uh, tell you the truth, to see being honest with you, making, you know, I suppose like doing different deals, you know, it really just depends, you know, some people, I just, the chase was over, you know, I just f- felt that I needed something else come. as well, you know, so. So you were ready and you knew the time had come yeah. and, you know, it looked like there wouldn't be a, a better time, so that's that's when you know, and that's a crucial lesson for people too, is kind yeah. of knowing and trusting in your gut that this is, yeah. and there could always have been maybe something else, but you got to go at some point, yeah. you got to jump. Yeah, it was just, it was my time to just change and go for something different, and I just did, and, you know, I was happy enough then after that, you know. So that was uh, back in 2014. Yeah. Um, what then? Yeah, well, I suppose then I, I worked with uh, Field Motion. I've been working, worked there for a few years. Uh, it was a workflow management software with my brothers and stuff like that. So uh, after that, then I just I, I left and I decided to go working. I had this idea about Pocket Box. Mm-hmm. It was a, I think it was, I have that idea from it was around 2016. It was in my head. It was over in business in Boston, and. Uh, what happened was uh, I couldn't sleep one night, you know, and I was I was thinking of this idea, and uh, I ended up, I started to type the idea into my mobile phone. <laughs> and I wrote the whole business plan on the mobile phone, and uh, I sort of parked the idea, I came back, but I kept coming back to it all the time, and I'd been thinking about, at the time I'd been thinking of it, wonder is the car text, or, you know, different things like that. Mm-hmm. What date's that up on? And yeah, yeah, and it ended up then, I thought of the idea, I parked the idea, and then it wasn't until 2019 that I actually took it serious and decided, right, now's the time I'm going to have a serious look at this. So what happened was we, 
I went out to the market and I asked friends and family first and then I went out and I talked to maybe, I would safely say I talked to over 300 people and I asked them where did they store their car documents and different things like that and I also asked them about their service records, you know, uh, did they know what they got done at their last car service, you know, when was the last time they got to change their brakes, you know, timing belts, such. And the, the vast majority of people, first of all, they said, as far as the car documents are concerned, we keep them in a cupboard, that the, drawer, the glove this compartment. drawer, yeah. glove compartment, <laughs> mantelpiece, <laughs> under the bed. Mm-hmm. They were just, the documents were everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. It was uh, unbelievable. There was a few people now who were organised. Yeah. There were always a few. <laughs> there I was a them. few, you know, were organised. <laughs> but the vast majority of people just kept the documents everywhere. They were just laying everywhere. So I realised then everybody's much the same as me, you know, I wasn't organised with my documents and different things like that. So then... It's the same scramble every year when you're going for your MOT, isn't it? Yeah, it is the same (laughs) scramble. But even then, after that, like the service history, yeah, I could never remember what I got done the last, the service history. So then I realised, if we start to develop this app, we really probably have something here, you know, people would use it. A lot of people said, yeah, I would definitely use that. It'd be really helpful and different things like that. So we started to work on the app. And we worked on the app. We were working on the app from November 2019. And we worked We worked on the, the, the app was due to be ready in November 2020. But we had got to a certain stage and we looked at it and I said, this isn't, it's just not right. right. And we were about two weeks away from launching, but the user interface and the, U- the UA and the UX user experience, I just wasn't happy with it. Mm. And I spoke with a couple of guys in the team and we all made the decision together that we were going to scrap it. Oh scrap my the, word, two the weeks idea. before launch. Yeah, two weeks before launch. And we revisited and we had a look and I tell you the truth, I'm delighted that we did right, there because you go. it turned out ten times, a hundred times better than what we ever had built in the first place. You and know? did you so go to a different company to do that, or did no, you stick with the same team? We we actually build everything ourselves. You did yourself, yeah, we right, do everything right. from scratch ourselves, and uh, we 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 just revisited. We just I just had a gut feeling it wasn't right. You know, and we want to make give the user the best experience possible. So, we end up we went back and we just scrapped it because a lot of people there, I suppose, in business that they probably they get so attached to their product, yeah, right, and they put an awful their lot of baby. effort in. It's their baby, and they put an awful lot of effort into it, and they're constantly building and building. And if somebody says something bad about it, they, they take offense uh-huh. and different things. You got sometimes you just have to learn to let go. You know, Step if it's back not and right, look at it objectively, yes. and if you're hearing because you don't know who to listen to, but right, so you step back, and how many of a team have you got? We have we have about six there. Six. Yeah. So you really need you know you're going in there to have a conversation, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's something that again is keeping you awake at night. Uh, you said that it was a collective decision. Do you think that they were all relieved that you pulled yeah, the plug, well, or were there a few? No, I tell you the truth. See, being honest, yeah. We have a brilliant team at Pocket Box. Mm-hmm. Just we ha- I, we have the best team that uh, I suppose you could ever imagine. All good bunch of guys. Every we don't the way we operate our company is we don't operate it with an iron fist. We operate everybody. There's no bosses or anything like that. There, everybody just works well together. 
everybody is encouraged to bring ideas to the forefront and help develop them as a person as well. So we take everything on board. We work together as a team. We talk through all the ideas. Everybody gets a chance to put in exactly their own ideas and their view on things. And, you know, sometimes, you know, like... You know, the best ideas come from the unexpected places, you know. So, like, at the end of the day, we're a team, and that's what it's all about. I think that's... Where did you recruit the team from, then? Yeah. <laughs> we got gathered one, them over the years. There was, there was actually somebody who was recommended to us. Michael, he was recommended to us by somebody else the, uh, who knew his sister. And then uh, there was another, then Mick... We got advertised. I'd worked with Mark in the previous uh, job before. I, I knew him through Catalyst, uh, through the Sands Park, a bit of work I'd done with him. And uh, I suppose, yeah, just sort of... Just word of mouth and yeah. advertising. And, um, you know, what skills would they have? All different? Or? All different right. skills. Everybody's got their own own skills. Everybody has their own expertise, you know. So we've, we've got uh, designers and you know, marketers and programmers and, you know, everybody's got a whole range of skills and with a good combination of skills are. And with a tech industry, do you all need to be in the one place or do you, I mean, obviously we've, everybody's had to, to work remotely over this last while, but yeah. um, I suppose in a tech industry, maybe you were doing that anyway, I don't know. <laughs> what is the setup? No, I suppose at the start we... Uh, we 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 get uh, an office from the Danske Bank in the, in Belfast. They they had run a thing with Catalyst Inc. in conjunction with them. And f- I was talking to one of the ladies out of the the the, the bank, Susan Keane, and she uh, recommended that we would come down there and you know work out of, out of Belfast. So we took an office down there, and then when COVID came, it closed down. So a lot of the guys then were working from home and different stuff. And then we have a guy who works with us from in Florida. And uh, but most of this stuff is all done online. You know, there's only myself and Mick in the office at the moment, and the rest of the guys are working from, you know, different parts of the world and stuff. But uh, and uh, but the thing about it is, I suppose it works. You know, uh, our men, it does. It doesn't really matter. The, the the boys that work with me, it doesn't really matter. The the way they operate is. You know, you could go onto the computer at night, right, for instance, and you could look and the boys are communicating at 3 o'clock in the morning. Is that right? Yeah, there's, there's times where Mark and Michael have come and they've worked a full night shift, and oh. I, you know, and they've just got into something and they've started programming or doing something and they just keep going. And it's no obligation to them, you know, they're, they, they, they don't worry about it, they don't talk about it. It's a it. passion, they're it's just the drive, they want it to work. They want it to work. Um, the tech industry, as I say, it's not my forte. Um, you didn't start out to be a tech whiz, but you're totally no. there now. I wouldn't. Got, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, how much do you need to know, or how how tech savvy do you need to be? I suppose um, for for myself, I suppose you don't really you don't really need to be totally tech savvy as such. What you need to do, you need to know how to put the people together who are. Right. And to be able to guide them and to, you know, to run the business. You know, like at the end of the day, the way I've always looked at it, if there's anything I don't know, I would always go out to my network or out to the people that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, there's always somebody out and there that can give like you the answer. And it sounds like there's a lot of you know? support there. And I think especially in the tech industries, 
people have said to me, different entrepreneurs, when you've got a tech idea, investors are interested, banks are talking to yeah. you. It's sometimes in an easier sell. Would you Would you agree? Yeah. Well, I suppose uh, there's a lot of people out there that are just a lot of pe- business people out there that are just brilliant. Mm. They go just over the top to come and help you, and they don't mind. They like hearing new ideas and new things, and they don't mind helping up and coming businesses. You know, then you've got the likes of Catalyst Sync are just great down the sands park. They're unbelievable. You've got Invest NI. There's a lot of support from Invest NI. We actually got funded from Invest NI. We've also got funded from Innovate UK. We have uh, Amazon Web Servers give us money towards our servers and different things you got there, you know. So there's a lot of support out there, you know. And even local around here, there's New and Morning Enterprise Agency, which was a great... It was a great help to me when I first started out. They had an advisors and different different courses and things that you could go on and help you with financials and different things you got. So there is a lot of support out there for anybody looking for it. And would you recommend everybody to take as anything they can get, or is there is there a specific bit of help that you would say do this? Uh, I suppose if you if you like going to to start your own business, you probably you need to write your idea down, you know, and just once you have that, you know what you're doing. You can go out and you can talk to friends and family and all, you know, like it's test all right. The market testing the market. If you go out to test the market, like, but if you go out to talk to them, for example, they're all they're not going to tell you it's crap or it's rubbish or anything like that. No, that's true. You know, it so once you, but they'll help you in different ways where the likes of. You know, they'll give you guidance and maybe a few tips and different, and maybe open a few doors for you. The, the other thing would be then is to identify whatever target market that you're going after or whatever sectors that you're going after. You know, like, for example, like we at Pocketbox, we have a, we have a tool there that's for car dealers, you know, and different automotive businesses. It's a, a customer retention tool. So we went out and we talked to the people in the car industry, you know, and found out, you know, would they pay for it? Would they be interested in it? And they've helped to sort of mould it into the product that it is. So, until so would that be like an additional, if somebody bought from them, this would be a little add-on to their car purchase? Is that what you Yeah, mean? well, what we can do is we can actually dual brand pocket box ah. so that when they actually, uh, just say, for example, they give pocket box out to any of their clients, we can dual brand it where it comes in. Only the remainders of the renewals will come from such and such Gotcha. Car dealer, That's you know, brilliant. so it reminds people, and they would give all the remainders and the renewal dates, and you, know, you see that, like that there again. You go, great idea. How do you make sure you look after that idea? <laughs> what, what do you, you mean? know when you get it patented and you and you and you uh, you, po- you basically make sure that nobody nicks it? Yeah, I well, suppose like hey, it's down to everybody itself if they want to nick it. You know, what I mean, it's down to them. You know, but uh, I suppose it's probably the time that it takes to build an app, you know, and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of work goes into it. Like yeah. We were developing over a year, you know, to get the thing right, you know, so it takes time, you know. A lot of people probably think that you can go out and you can build an app for 10 grand. It doesn't work that way, you know. There's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration, like who's going to build the app, you know, mm. are you going to build it, are you going to outsource it to somebody else? Are you going to build it in-house? If you outsource it, who's going to look after any bugs or issues or problems or who's going to do all the upgrades and, you know, the latest versions and keep the tech up to date, you know? Uh, You know, because there's always going to be competition that's going to hit. If you actually turn around and then you decide, oh, we're going to build it in-house, who's going to pay for them wages? Programmers aren't cheap, you know? So it takes time. So... 
planning out your business, it needs to be planned out, you know, and especially if you're going to build a, a new app, it does take time, you know, there's a lot of consideration that you have, you have a lot of things you have to take into consideration. So let's go back to the two weeks before launch, scrap yeah. that, start again. What have you got now? What is the product like? Describe yeah, it. Yeah, well, I suppose the product, it's, it's really easy to use, you know. It manages all your tax, your insurance, your MOT, your finance, your warranty, all your service history. So you've got a, it's a really one-stop shop to manage all, digitise all your car uh, uh, documents as such. Then, basically, you can add in different events and things like that. So if you've got an MOT coming up or you've got... Uh, the likes of, you know, booked in for a service, you can put them certain dates and stuff that remind you about that. You can load up your driving licence, your passport and things like that there as well. But we have a, a lot of new things coming out on the roadmap. Uh, we've actually just recently done a deal with a company called Siopa. They own Compare NA and uh, they also own uh, Quote Zone in the UK. Okay. So uh, they actually thought that Pocketbox was a good idea and the, we, we've do, we were able to do a deal with them. Uh, roughly now, within the next week, we should have it launched. There'll be 117 insurance brokers on it. Oh. Uh, so you, you, you'll be able to get insurance quotes and different things through Pocketbox as well. We also have QR valuations. Uh, so... Yeah, that's another section and then we've got VDI checks on it as well where you can actually go on if you're buying a car maybe at the side of the road or off somebody in person you want to know that there's no finance on it or it hasn't been hit or anything like that so you can do a VDI check and it'll check it up and that's covered up to £40,000 worth of insurance on that as well so so there are a couple of wee add-ons and extras, yeah. and you and, and the the it's not like here is the app; it's constantly going to evolve. Then it'll constantly evolve, yeah. And that's I suppose getting back to the last point that we we're talking about building the app for ten grand. You have to be in the mindset of constantly evolving the app and making it better because there's going to be new things come to market, and you have to I suppose be ahead of the curve to try and compete with these. Yeah, it it, it is incredible. The whole world of apps is incredible, and. You know, even just visiting the app store is, <laughs> it's in, it just is amazing to think, like even 20 years ago, we, we, we hadn't even heard of these things. What's your favourite app and why, apart from Pocketbox? Yeah, I suppose, uh, I, say, I like Spotify, you know. Yeah. I think Spotify's Genius. good, you know. Well, yeah, that's another and one. It's, uh, <laughs> I suppose it's, uh, the, you know, uh, there's a, like, you have every music artist on, on the uh, in the world on it you know so like at the end of the day it's brilliant yeah. you know you get lost in spotify you know and you know it's for all ages it's, it's for everybody ages, yeah. there's really no target market there no. you know as long as you've got a smartphone or a device here yeah you can use it and listen to it anywhere you know and you learn so much about new music so it is it oh. is genius now you've said that you can't just spend ten thousand to build an app i wonder what is more likely the realistic figure for you at this stage? Oh, flip, I wouldn't like to tell no, you. No. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've got we got a significant amount of investment from uh, Innovate UK and Invest DNA, and I've mostly been funding it myself. Like, so I suppose if you add up all the wages that we've been paying and different things over this past year, it doesn't take too long adding up what no. we've spent. Like, but uh, we've spent a, a good lot of money on it, you know, and we're only really got the the MVP one, it was launched in, in, in March 
the end of March. So now we've got the, the next latest version, which we should be launched next week. And then the whole idea is the monetizing of it, as you say. Yeah. So you get something, you put it out there, people are able to access it for free at the minute, but you want to make money out of it now. Yeah, that's, that's the, the, the point. I suppose it's trying to find how are you going to monetize the mm. app, you know, and different things. That's the challenge, you know. And uh, But uh, we've, we've a lot of different ideas and we're, we're talking to a lot of key partners at the moment uh, that that are really interested in what we're doing and... I think we, I think we really have something that, that we should go places, you know. And you can see that you're really excited about yeah, it. I am. <laughs> yeah, because I wonder, you know, I've spoken to many other guests as well about that self doubt or that confidence, and especially when you are your own boss and you're an entrepreneur, and other people have invested and given you money and they want you to succeed. Does that pressure ever get to you? No, to tell you the truth, see, being honest, yeah, I sleep well every night you know <laughs> I try to get eight hours every night and it's no problem but look, I have never really in my whole life I've ne- risk hasn't bothered me you know uh, as far as taking a risk in business you know I, I sort of get a buzz out of that you know so uh, I've never panicked about doing anything you know the way I've always looked at it is if it doesn't work out we'll do something else you know I uh, we make calculated risks, you know, but at the end of the day, if you don't take a risk, you know, you may as well just be working in a job, you know. That's it, that's and it. Um, you're also taking a risk when it comes to other companies as well, because you're an, uh, an early stage investor. Uh, do you enjoy that side of things? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, it's 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 something else, you know, uh, to try and, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, what are I you interested in? I, well, to tell you the truth, I like talking to any new uh, companies, new startup tech companies, uh, I love hearing what they're doing. I love to figure out, you know, just uh, if, even if I can help them, I, I try my best, you know, I mean, to make connections for them and stuff like that. There, I just, I, I like it. People have probably over the years, I've got a lot of help from people, so. I just uh, it it, uh, it just sort of interests me, you know. Gives you a buzz. Well, um, I'm just wondering what the biggest challenge has been so far and the lessons learned from that. Yeah. You seem pretty chilled to me. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> uh, I suppose the biggest challenge is getting the app built, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, you, you're building something, you're starting from scratch, you know, there's a lot of code in, is involved and different things and stuff. You t- want to make sure that the flow works and that, that, that people will use it and all sorts of stuff. So it's trying to get the app built. And because we were building the B2C product at the start, you know, how do you monetize that? You know, it, you know, it's not something really that we could monetize right from the start. So now we have our, our B2B model where we're talking to different mm. people in the automotive industry, you know, uh, and I think... And they get what's in it for them as well. Yes, so yeah. it's that, that has been probably the biggest challenge is trying to build the business and get to a level that we have something that we can sell, you know, and uh, and then I suppose as you as you start to build the product, you know, sometimes your ideas change and you have to be selective in what you're going to build and just be very careful, you know. So uh, yeah, but it's it's exciting times, like, and we're we're really interested. We're really we are really excited about the about the product. We think. We'll, we'll have something good, you know. So, and at what point do you get to like as with JMC Mobile, 
at what point do you know you'll be ready to sell or have you any idea how long that might take? Yeah, whenever the first person writes a check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I suppose it, like, I'm not interested. We're, we're just at very early stages yet, you know, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I think uh, we're, we're doing something that's worthwhile. Like, for instance, I just I know I'm going off topic a wee bit here, but there was a guy who rung me up the other day and uh, he said, Jim, he says, that app is brilliant. Wow. He says, you've done a real good job there. He says, thanks very much, David. He said, uh, "He says my car broke down in Belfast <laughs> the other day. He says, you never believe what happened. He says, my car broke down in Belfast the other day. He said, I rung the breakdown service and they were delivering a courtesy car. So he said, the, cur- the driver with the courtesy car arrived and they left his, old, his car to get a ticket to get it fixed, right? And he said, the first thing they asked him for was ID. Oh. And he says, I searched my wallet, no ID with me, no ID in the car. He says, and then I remembered, pocket box. He says, I remember scanning my driving license in. And he took out the phone and he was able to show the driving license with pocket box on it. And the guy accepted it, you know. So when you hear stories like that, Uh it makes you feel that what you're doing is worthwhile. The people are actually using the app and they're getting a benefit out of it. And it's always in a crisis when you need those things. It's always that last minute. So to know to have that reassurance... Well, I hope you recorded that interview with him and yeah, you well, put that up in the... I was going to yes, say, the yeah. testimonial yeah. is really where you convert, isn't it? Those stories yeah. of when, you know, pocket box... Yeah, because there, the there was another guy actually said one day that he, uh, he he rung me up as well and he said, Jim, he says, that's brilliant. He says, uh, we, he, when he put in his wife's driving licence, he realised that she was actually driving around for six months with, uh, with no driving licence. So she probably wouldn't have been insured or anything like that either, you know. And then there's other and people saying especially they had no during MOT. the pandemic, and then with the problems with the MOT, and everybody didn't know whether they were covered or not. And yeah. where's that piece of paper? Yeah. Well, it, it, as soon as you put your information into the app, it t- t- tells you all that information straight away. Straight away. As soon as you put it, all you have to do is just put in your the red your car, and that's it. You know. Right. I'm off to download Pocket Box, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> no mm. excuses now. No no excuses for for not knowing where anything is. It's been a joy to talk to you today. Um, great to hear about Pocket Box. I'm sure there are lots of people will be onto the app store now, uh, ready to download. I ask everybody that sits in front of me the same question just to, 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 to leave us with for the day. But the purpose of this podcast is to inspire business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering insight into the success of companies such as Pocketbox. What is that key nugget of advice that you would give to people who have the idea, but I've no idea where to start, especially, I suppose, in, in, in tech, or they're unsure as to whether or not the risk is worth taking. Yeah, I suppose the best advice I'd probably give to anybody is to go out and talk to as many businesses with your ideas. Try and surround yourself with a good sounding board, you know, people who are going to challenge you. It's okay talking to friends and family, but they're not really going to, they're going to say, oh, that's lovely, Jim, well done. Here's a big pat in the back, you know. But, you know, they're... It's strangers you want to talk to, people who's going to challenge you, you know, uh, go out and talk to people in specific sectors and things they got there, you know. Uh, once you've got your, your app documented and you're looking to find out exactly what you're going to build, you know, you want to find out what exactly it's going to cost to build, you know. How are you going to fund this? You know, is it going to be your money or investors' money? How are you going to sell it? You know, th- you have to look at things like your pricing model. Who's going to buy it? Also, where are you going to sell it? You know, uh, yeah. so th- 
there's lots of different things, you know, what's the competition like, you know, and uh, will they actually pay for it? That's another thing, you yeah. know, if, you, if you're not going to take in any revenue, you know, you don't really have a business, you know, so uh, there's a lot of stuff there that people need to really take a look at and, you know, before they, they, they go, you and know, leap. and take that leap, you know. Yeah, it is a busy market developing apps, but... I think you're on to a good one. Thank you for sharing those nuggets of advice. Really beneficial and really useful. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing what you sell it for in a few years' time. <laughs> and good luck, uh, Jim. Thanks very much for joining us on the Public Eye podcast. That's brilliant. Thank you, sir. Thanks. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.